The Fake Show podcast is sponsored by the law firm of Hutchison & Stephan, North 5th Brewing Company, Threads of Envy, The Tone Factory Recording Studios, Moonshot.com t-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Actress, singer Melora Hardin is perhaps best known as Jan Levinson on The Office. And oh my God, she had so many great scenes with Steve Carell, including that legendary dinner party scene. She's also had roles in The Blacklist, Scandal, CSI, and so much more. She's kind of a big deal on Broadway, too. Now she renews her role as Trudy Monk on the new Monk film with Tony Shalhoub, as I've got Melora Hardin on the line right now in Los Angeles. Hello. Melora, welcome back to the show. It's always great to talk to you. And it looks like we're welcoming you back to the long-awaited sequel to Monk starring Tony Shalhoub, yeah? That's right. What was it like for you to join that show? I think it was in the third season, if memory serves. Uh, it was just it was just so great. Everybody is so warm over there, and they were so excited to have me, you know, join. They really needed, uh, you know, they needed Trudy, and they needed they needed me to be Trudy. So it was wonderful to uh, to be able to step into that, uh, and that you know the show was quite successful uh, and just had a really loyal fan base and they all embraced me really really uh, very seamlessly so it was it was a beautiful a wonderful thing to to be part of and not to spoil it for longtime fans but I'm assuming that you are appearing in flashbacks or conversations with monk yeah that's right yeah he's you know <laughs> I've, I've always been a ghost uh, to him and and he <laughs> he conjures Trudy Monk in his in his mind because she's the love of his life, and ultimately, you know, the thing that really broke his heart was trying to solve her murder. And um, you know, he's just always holding her as his his guide, like the light, you know, that he's going towards. As a Green Bay Packer fan, I'm talking about myself now. Did Tony ever uh, talk to you about his love for the team? You know, being from Green Bay and everything. I think he did. He did say something. I have heard him say that. <laughs> he was on the sideline for this past weekend's game. That's why it, it occurs to me he was there. Oh, my gosh. That's great. I'm hearing a lot about your one-woman film, Golden Vanity. I know as a veteran of stage and screen, you have you took this role, but did it seem a little daunting to you initially to take this? Because there's a lot of monologues there. <laughs> well, it's just me, so yeah. <laughs> I would say it's one eighty-three minute long monologue. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean I don't think I was daunted by it. I, I think I've always been very attracted to uh, to a one-person show, and it was pretty cool that it came in the form of a of a one-person movie. It's 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 really fun. It felt a little bit like playing in a sandbox um, for me. Um, I, you know, I, I, I love, um, I love feeling like, you know, every part of me is being required and requested and used and utilized. So it was, uh, it was definitely a wonderful challenge and, uh, I think really quite a, a wonderful film that I can't wait for everybody to see. So very excited about it. And if people follow me on Instagram at Melora D. Harden, they can always find out about Golden Vanity. And uh, right now we're doing the festival circuit. Uh, yeah. We've been in three festivals. We've won five awards. 
And we're also going to do uh, a run in Los Angeles. So if you have any friends in L.A. or if you're coming to L.A. through December 17th uh, at Cine Lounge on Sunset, um, we are uh, we're doing a seven-day run and 21, 21 showings. And, um, yeah, so can't wait for can't wait for the audiences to come out uh, a bigger audience as we as we go and and find our distributor whoever that's going to be with your credentials i'm assuming the filmmakers approached you about doing this project yeah they had seen me and other things they wrote it for me uh never having never met me um in hopes that i would that that it would get to me and my agent uh, read it and knew that I had taken a, a few one-person show writing classes, um, and so I was always very interested in this medium, uh, this way of telling a story. And so he got it to me and said, you know, I think you should read it. I read it. I thought it was wonderful. And then I took a meeting with the, the two uh, writers, um, the co-writers, and I was really, really impressed with them. First of all, I was impressed that this came out of two you know, uh, people in their late twenties. Yeah. Um, that was really, <laughs> that was really extraordinary to me because it's, it's very deep and, and, you know, set in 1967 about a, an old time movie star, a la Judy Garland, who is fleeing the police and barricades herself in her mansion to tell her life story and set the record straight once and for all. They got the idea by listening to some old tapes that Judy Garland had written, uh, had, had made right before she passed away. And, you know, just that, uh, that they were taken with this and they had such a vision and, uh, such strong intelligence around this. And it's just, it's, it traverses so much, uh, land, you know, emotionally, the, the movie Golden Vanity is funny and it's dark and it's tragic and it's, you know, it's, it just goes all over the map in, in the most wonderful way. So, I, I feel really excited to, you know, be able to use my celebrity to support, you know, indie filmmaking, young filmmakers, and to really get behind this movie with, with everything that I've got um, to, uh, to get it out into the world. I've only seen trailers, but you really evoke sort of a Rosalind Russell, Catherine Hepburn in, in character in terms of the accent that you use in this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was really important to, um, you know, Max Abram, the director, and I really worked hard to find the right voice for her because we really wanted it to have that flavor. And it's interesting that it, you know, it is set in 1967, but it really, it really does still have relevance in today's world. Um, so it's, that's really, it's really, really fun. And the audiences that have seen it, you know, two of the awards we've won have been audience, two audience awards and you know, that's a really amazing award to win in festivals because it just means that the audience is really responding. And these are people that obviously, you know, are not, they don't need to be at this festival. They're not there for any reason except their love of film. And so when, when those kinds of people applaud and, and give you, a, you know, give you their nod of approval, that merely means that it's working and it's working, you know, for, for the kind of film lover. And that's really exciting. It seems like it reveals, you know, really how tough the business is. As a matter of fact, I mean, the SAG after strike is over, but I just saw a post recently from actress Ellen Barkin who said that because she hasn't worked recently, her insurance is no longer there for her. So it, it seems like there still is some work to be done, don't you think? Oh, God. Well, 
can't even. And she's one of those who has been a, a big star, you know, for most of her career. So you as a yeah. person, you well, as an actor. My dad just turned 94 uh, last week, and he's, you know, he's been an actor professionally for, God, forever, you know. And, uh, yeah, this whole, life, this whole health insurance thing is uh, a real problem. That's a real problem with, with older actors. I, I just, I find it kind of despicable, to be honest, that, you know, you spend an entire career paying into a health insurance plan, and then it can just be pulled. And by the way, before I let you go, could you have predicted that your office castmates, Steve Carell and John Krasinski, would become these major superstars? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you can ever predict that about anybody. You know, I think that it's just... uh, you know, those are. You know, that's why. If if you could predict that stuff, then everybody would do it. You know, there's no there's <laughs> no secret sauce, really. It's just it's, there's so many things that come together between you know people's talent, people's uh, opportunities. Uh, you know, my mom always said, "Luck is when preparation and opportunity meet." Uh, but you know, there is a lot of luck involved. There's there's no doubt about that. Look for the lovely Melora Hardin in the new Monk film on Peacock and coming soon, the much-talked-about Golden Vanity film. Melora, so nice to talk to you. Good luck with everything and happy holidays. Thank you. You too. I really appreciated her comments on actors who've sort of fallen through the cracks when it comes to insurance and other issues. By the way, the last time I had her on the podcast, we talked about how she was originally cast as Marty McFly's girlfriend on Back to the Future, when the part of Marty McFly was originally to be played by actor Eric Stoltz. Several weeks into production, though, the producers, including Robert Zemeckis, didn't think Stoltz had the comedy chops, and so they recast the role and went with Michael J. Fox. And because Melora Hardin was taller than Fox, she was also let go. Well, that finishes this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks so much for stopping by. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. 